Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 24 called the Shepherd Psalms. David, kind of repeating this idea of who can ascend the hill, he says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, Psalm 24, 4, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, is not sworn deceitfully. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, the pure in heart shall see God. However, I don't know if you noticed this, but I think we're all in some trouble. Because I don't know about you, but having clean hands and a pure heart has not been the story of my entire life. How about yours? We just sang a song, and it's a good song. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not give our soul to another, which I think comes from these psalms. But notice what the singer is saying. He's saying, give it to us, because from within my own strength, it ain't there. Now, you might say, well, it's getting better. <laughs> uh, you might be singing with the Beatles. Is it, was it the Beatles? It's getting better all the time. Better, better, better. Sorry. But anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but even though it's better, it's not where it needs to be. In fact, I often look at my own heart and say, like Jeremiah, my heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? See, the moment you think you got it together, just take a look within. <laughs> I want clean hands. I want a pure heart. I don't want to lift up my soul to falsehood, but... I don't want to have ever sworn to anything deceitfully, but have you ever got backed into a corner and told a lie? Whoops. <laughs> As a Christian? Yeah, probably. You ever said something that you shouldn't have said about somebody that you were speaking about? Maybe you twisted a story in your direction. Look at Psalm 25, 1 and 2. It says, To thee, O Lord, just the very next Psalm 25, 1. To thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in thee I trust. Don't let me be ashamed. Don't let my enemies exult over me. The writer of Hebrews says, without holiness, we will not see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. And I will tell you that I think part of this is to see that God expects us to be practically holy but ultimately, my holiness, the reason I'm going to ascend that hill one day and stand blameless before this God who spoke the universe into existence is because I have the righteousness of Christ who was without sin, who was blameless. His righteousness has been transferred to my account. And this is where we get the idea of imputed righteousness, right? We talk about the gospel. We talk about the exchange of my sin going to Jesus and Jesus's righteousness coming to me when I trust in him. Praise the Lord. But 
your practical holiness. So positionally, right now, you can't get any more right with God than you are right now because you come on the merits of Christ, right? So because you are in Christ, you can't be any more right with God, any more blameless than you are now, positionally. But practically, could you get holier? Yeah. Could I get holier? Yes. Could we try to catch up and we're never going to be there perfectly, but get more practically how we are positionally. God says, be holy for I am holy. And so we got to make sure we got this order correct. We're going to ascend that hill because of the merits of Christ. But anyone who knows Jesus is going to be outwardly showing signs that they know the Holy One. You understand what I'm saying? There's going to be some practical signs that you've had an encounter with God. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Um, Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God, Ephesians 4.24, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. I need a spiritual makeover every single day. And I tell you, as I have grown as a Christian, um, there's things that I never even thought about that now I measure myself against because I know about them now. Anybody with me? And so it's kind of like there's a different uh, standard and there's a different way that I measure my actions in my heart that have ramped up the level by which I'm trying to live. And I, I think when we get a, a more of a handle on who God is, we're all always seeing our need to ask him to help us to be holy, to put on the armor of God, to put on the new man, to be practically what we are positionally, but not to switch those, not to think that we're going to get into heaven because we're that pure, because nobody's going to make it on their good works. Now, this person who is purified, he shall receive a blessing 24-5 from the Lord. And here I think we have a hint of imputed righteousness and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Spurgeon again, they do not ascend the hill of the Lord as givers, but as receivers. They do not wear their own merits, but a righteousness which they have received, those who ascend this holy hill. Holy living ensures a blessing as it is a reward from the thrice holy God, but it itself a blessing of the new covenant and a delightful fruit of the Spirit. God first gives us good works and then he rewards us for them. Grace is not obscured by God's demands for holiness, but is highly exalted as we see it decking the saint with the jewels and clothing him with fair white linen. All this is a sumptuous array being a free gift of mercy. So essentially what Spurgeon is saying is once you've tasted grace and you know the Lord, holiness is going to be, become more and more part of who you are. It's going to be what you press toward. It's going to be one of your goals to be holy because our God is holy. Now, we're never going to hit the mark perfectly. But remember when I 
taught you guys on 1 Thessalonians 5, if you were here for that teaching, I told you, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks and everything, our habit of life exhortations. You're not going to be able to do them 24-7, but they should be overarching themes of your life that you rejoice, that you pray, and that you are thankful. That's where the Lord's moving us. That's, that's more the norm for us. Write down Titus 3, 3 through 7. I'm not going to read it right now, but I think you can get the order there. Saved by grace, good works become a result of his saving grace. This is the generation, six, of those who seek him, who seek thy face, even Jacob. And then we have a Selah in the song. That's always a pause in the music. But it's a way to say pause and ponder what you just took in. Just take a moment, pause. If you're ever reading a psalm on your own, this is a good uh, time to just pause and reflect. Pause and ponder. Uh, the Bible gives us some exhortation to meditate. Not on your navel. Because you all you're going to see is fuzz in there, probably. Okay? Not chanting, you know. No, biblical meditation is to think on God, his attributes, his word, his will. It's to ponder him and what you just learned. It's kind of like this. Have you ever read your Bible and you're like, what, what did I just read? <laughs> And some of you do those one-year Bible reading plans. I've done those before where you, you got to conquer, you know, a psalm and a proverb and an Old Testament passage. And you got through it and you're on track, but you don't know what you read <laughs> or not much of it. So you might want to slow down a little bit. It's, this is not a race uh, and let it sink down. That's the idea of a selah, a pause. To desire communion with God is a purifying thing says Spurgeon, oh, to hunger and thirst more and more after a clear vision of the face of God. This will lead us to purge ourselves from all filthiness and to walk with heavenly circumspection, close quote. He's simply just saying, if you want a formula for practical holiness, you got to redirect your eyes to God's face. And I think it's proper to say something like this as a Christian. Lord, I'm seeking your face right now. And some of you are like, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it means, but I know what it, it means. I'm seeking intimacy. Like if I brought someone's face to me, and this would have to be someone that's close to me, obviously. If I, if I said, could I have your face? And I moved their face in front of my face and we were doing a face-to-face. -face, and hopefully I'd had a breath mint right before that, right? Okay. We're having what's called an intimate moment, right? An encounter. And if I look in someone's eyes and, and we connect that way, and let's just say for a moment, it's my wife. And our faces are close. And let's just say that we have a moment to kiss and to look into each other's eyes. That's intimacy, relational intimacy. And that is a little bit of what this means. When I say, God, I'm seeking your face, what I'm saying is, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. And I know you search me, and I want to know you. And so I'm seeking your face. I, I want to know you. I want to be able to look. Everybody with me? Look inside a little bit. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
If you just tuned in, then you missed the first half of today's edition of Walk in Truth. That's okay. You can listen to this episode and many others whenever it's convenient for you on your free Living Truth app. Walk in Truth is also on your favorite podcast app. Simply search for and subscribe to Walk in Truth on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and many more. Listening to a podcast as well as radio is a great way to get some time in the Word when you're walking, catching up on some work, or if you're like me and just need to listen to some Bible teaching while getting ready in the morning. Remember, you can find Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. When I say, God, I'm seeking your face, what I'm saying is, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. And I know you search me, and I want to know you, and so I'm seeking your face. I want to know you. I want to be able to look. Everybody with me? Look inside a little bit to to the degree that I can do that and give you a human illustration if that helps. Final stretch, third plank. If you're taking notes, the ascent of the true redeemer or the anticipation of the king of glory. Or you could say it this way. Here comes the king of glory. Notice this is the last stretch of the psalm. Lift up your heads, O gates. So now the psalmist David begins to talk to the gates. Um, Gates in ancient cities were for protection and also to let people into a city. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Eight, who is the king of glory? The Lord, there's Yahweh. The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. When Jesus was on the earth, in the last week of his life, he approached uh, the city, Jerusalem. The time was Passover. Jesus had the disciples go get a colt, and he began to ride into the city down the Mount of Olives. So if you, how many of you have been to Israel before? Just raise up your hand. Okay, so if you, if you go to Israel, you get a moment where you're, on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, so you're, the Mount of Olives is east of the temple. And when you look west, there's the golden domed Muslim shrine. So that's what we're talking about. So what happens is you can follow the Palm Sunday path. You go down the Mount of Olives, and it's really a hill. And you go up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem's always up. So when Jesus was here, the king of glory, and he was in the last week of his life, he came during Passover week. And he rode into Jerusalem on something that's called Lamb Selection Day. It's when Israel and the families of Israel would pick a lamb that they would keep all week and sacrifice on Friday of Passover week. So Jesus rides in. He rides down the Mount of Olives and he begins to ascend the holy hill. Because the holy hill is Mount Zion. It's where the temple is. Uh, By the way, if you do research on the location of the temple mount, it's where David bought a threshing floor 
from Ornan the Jebusite. The temple was built on top of a threshing floor, which is where we get the word holiness. Interesting. So that's the temple. So Jesus, the king of glory, he rides down the Mount of Olives, up the holy hill, comes into the city, and Jewish tradition says when the Messiah was going to come during the feast, they would keep the, the temple door open to receive the Messiah. Read the psalm again. Lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Let him in. And here comes Jesus, and the people start singing, Glory to God in the highest, peace, glory to the King of Israel. And the religious leaders are like, Quiet, shh, stop it. Don't say Hosanna to him. Don't say Hosanna in the highest, quiet. And Jesus says, if I tell them to be quiet, I'm telling you, the rocks, they're going to start singing. And you've all heard the joke before. It would have been the first rock concert. Hosanna! The rocks. Hosanna! Hosanna! If that's how a rock sounds. Anyway, and then Jesus comes into the city and the whole city, city is stirred and he comes into the temple courts. And you know one of the first things that he does? He cleanses the temple. Open the gates. Let the king of glory come in. And the religious leadership was like, no, who do you think you are? Who are you? Who do you think you are? He healed the, the lame and the, uh, I think it says the lame and at least, at least the lame, but maybe the blind as well, and the temple court. And the little kids started to say, Hosanna to the son of David. And the religious leaders are like, quiet. Shh. And Jesus said, have you not read? Out of the mouths of infants, you have perfected praise for yourself. Oh, they were so mad. Rats, 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 double rats. Now the temple door by tradition was open for the king of glory. And the king of glory arrived and he ascended the holy hill. And you know what the religious leadership did? They said, no, not letting you in. Close the gates. And the gates said, no, we're opening. <laughs> gates are personified here. Suddenly there breaks forth antiphonal chanting of angels says A.R. Fawcett. Or this is actually Morgan. Some are accompanying the king as he approaches the place of power. Others wait guarding the entrance. The first company claim, uh, claims entrance for him. The second assembly challenges his right. The answer tells of might inherent and a victory in battle. Through lifted portals we see him pass and know him for Jehovah of hosts or Lord of hosts he has passed through Psalm 22. He's exercising the office of Psalm 23. He is seen claiming the authority of Psalm 24. His battle is to destroy sin and death and open the gates for his people so that I may go up the holy hill one day by his blood. That he 
opened those gates by a new and living way which he inaugurated through the veil of his flesh. And I don't enter in Hebrews chapter 10 by the blood of bulls and goats, but Jesus Christ has become the door into the holy place and in more than that, into the holy of holies. Who may ascend the holy hill? The one who is cloaked in the righteousness of the king of glory. That's how I have a pure heart and clean hands before him. This is the good news. Heaven's gates have been opened for the redeemed. And this picture of his earthly uh, victory over principalities and powers, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, is also seen as in his ascension in Acts chapter 1, because then the king of glory goes back up to heaven. And by the way, the temple structure or tabernacle that Moses built originally in Exodus is supposed to be a copy of what is where? In heaven. So Jesus in Acts chapter 1 ascends back into heaven, our great high priest ever interceding for us. And when someone who dies in Christ ends up before him, the gates open. And I don't think Peter's at the desk, by the way. You don't have to, I don't think you have to worry about those stories. It's going to be all about whether you know Jesus. And he opens up the gates and the, the issue's going to be, if you get in one day, it's going to be because you've been cloaked in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you'll ascend the holy hill and God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. There's a seat at the table, a mansion we've been working on for a while, an electric car. No, I don't know if there's a... You can meet some angels if you want on day one, some Old Testament heroes, but the main feature in that holy place is the God of glory. Amen? That's what Psalm 24 is about. And the repetition is just for emphasis. If you want to write down Hebrews 10, 10 through 25, you can see the fuller picture of what Jesus did for us. It says, and it ends with a repetition. And sometimes songs repeat themselves because they're so good, it needs to be repeated. Here it is. Lift up your heads, O gates, nine. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. You've been listening to The Shepherd Psalms 4, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 24. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can watch Pastor Michael's sermons and the full services with worship when you follow our YouTube channel. Michael Lance is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. And we would love it if you would join us at one of our Sunday morning services. But if you live outside of Southern California or you're unable to visit us, you can always watch live on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Best way to find the videos is visit walkintruth.com. Then click on YouTube. Again, visit walkintruth.com and click on YouTube. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, as the end of Psalm 24 has it, who is the king of glory? Question, the Lord, strong and mighty. You know, you may have a question. You're listening here to Christian Radio. Perhaps you stumbled in quotes upon this station. And you may be asking, who is the king of glory? Who is the true God? You know, people talk about a higher power or some undefined creator. Who is the king of glory? The, the Bible answers that emphatically. It's the Lord. 
capital L-O-R-D, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, who manifested himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And when the Bible describes the second coming of the King of Glory, it says that Jesus Christ is going to appear in power and great glory. In fact, Titus says we are looking for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. We just celebrated that at Christmas time with Emmanuel, God with us. And he is literally a prayer away. If you've not met him, what a great way to start off 2021, asking him to be your Lord, your Savior, your King. You know, Jesus has a kingdom. He's the king of the ultimate kingdom. He's the king of everything. Open up the door of your heart to him today. Now, you might ask, Pastor Michael, how does one do that? Simply by asking the Lord to save you. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you came into the world to rescue me. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I believe. I turn from my sin and I place my trust in you. Teach me to walk with you, to trust in you, to to know you. Hey, if you need help with that or you reached out and said that prayer today, would you let us know? You can reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Speaking of asking for forgiveness, we are going to enter into an incredible psalm tomorrow, Psalm 32, the backdrop David's sin with Bathsheba, a great psalm of repentance. That's next time right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for praying for us, supporting us, telling friends about us. We appreciate it. God bless you. And we look forward to being with you tomorrow in Psalm 32. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 32 called The Blessing of Forgiveness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.